1: maryland and talk to rob who's on the line hey rob it's dr anderson how are you
2: hi brother i'm doing all right um yeah i i can you know the bible tells us we're supposed to bear with one another in love but uh mm-hmm. some of us can be overbearing right. and um i i get that and uh you know i think that was a big part of my divorce and um mm. uh, you know i've done my best to uh repent of yeah that aspect of me and to let my speech be full of grace yeah. and seasoned with salt as opposed to be full of salt and seasoned with
1: grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Well, there, there are a lot of know, people who can be overbearing, but they don't know it. Did you discover this afterwards?
3: Oh, no, I've always known that. <laughs> okay,
1: okay. That, but
2: but right. the thing is, you know, then when you go to a marriage counselor who then starts an affair with your wife, well,
1: you know, it's just solved. ouch. It's it was down downhill from there, yeah. My yeah. goodness, and that's, what's, that's what happened in your case? Yeah, uh, in fact, she's about to marry the guy. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's not good. It's not supposed to happen yeah, that way, I've Rob. Heard. How are you dealing with that?
2: Uh, well, I've joined a different church, and I'm doing my best to create new relationships mm. and, uh, you know, be a humble and uh,
1: devoted person. Have you uh talked to the counselor that she is with now or has that Oh no, we have a we have a legal agreement that we're not allowed to contact each other oh, so my yeah. It's, goodness. it's ugly. That's terrible. Was this yeah. with, was this within a church the worst environment? part
0: about it is my kids think that he's the hero.
1: Was this within a church environment?
0: Uh, Well, he claimed to be a Christian counselor, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I sure hope that uh, you're able to forgive and move on. It kind of bites that uh, (laughs) that even happened to you. Are you going to be okay, though?
2: Yeah, I'm doing my best, and, you know, i I We're supposed to pray for enemies. I pray for
1: my ex-wife every day. I heard that. And so have you learned uh, sort of a part of whatever it sounds to me like you've you've become a student of yourself, learning where you were maybe overbearing or some area that you played in the breakdown of the relationship? Clearly it was her fault doing that. But did you learn anything so if you do get another relationship, you'll kind of do better, be better?
2: Sure, that's what I'm working
1: towards. It sounds like it to me. It sounds like you're being humble about it. You're still hurt a little bit, but you're taking it to the Lord. And, my friend, that's what we're supposed to do, right?
3: Yeah. All
1: right. Well, you hang in there, Rob, from Bethesda. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. And that's a good word, right, about being overbearing. You can be overbearing on other people, and you don't want to be that. You really want to be a blessing. So you want to say what is helpful, uh, not what is hurtful, and you want to build people up. Today we're talking about relational suffocation. Do you feel suffocated by somebody in your life? You're trying to figure out how to create that boundary without maybe breaking the relationship or hurting them. Uh, how do you handle being suffocated? And by the way, how do you handle if you are yourself the suffocator? Like I keep talking and I just can't shut up. I know I'm suffocating them, but I can't. Well, I'm here to help you out. Triple Eight Four Three Bridge. Let's go to Rockville, Maryland, and talk to Anonymous, who's on the line. Hi, Anonymous. Welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm wonderful. Um,
1: Thanks for calling. I want
2: to talk about my little suffocational situation. Okay. So so I was in a a relationship for about six years, and I was always suffocated with love, with kisses, everything was Mm. very excessive. Okay. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) and you know the words were excessive the 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 kissing the hugging but you liked it at first right anonymous it was okay but then it went a little bit over the top and Uh then the you know the sexual part wasn't excessive it was fine in the beginning but then somehow the scales became unbalanced where it was just too much for me Uh and um you know, we were making plans um, to move forward, to make a commitment. Okay. And then all of a sudden, so bizarre, you know, they went to the far extreme of the other side. Like they needed their space, mm. they didn't know what they wanted to do anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, and, and that was like really crazy. So I don't know what to think how you go from suffocation to not being suffocated at all.
1: It's called a lack of a marital commitment. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be you know, uh flippant. I mean this is real talk, but he got everything he needed from you and then he moved on. You didn't get what you needed from him, and that was a marital commitment. Uh what you Well
2: I was committed to a marriage for twenty two years and that oh. dissolved and then that's how I ended up with him. I was committed to a marriage for twenty two years, but it didn't work.
1: How did you end so up? I moved uh, on. How'd you end up with this guy then?
2: Well, he was a friend before he became into a relationship. We were friends I see. for a couple of years, and he was very, um, you know, supportive. And then okay. we well, became serious I see. Um, after okay. a while. But we weren't serious for six years. We were uh, friends first. You were I friends have first. That.
1: Got it. okay. I understand. Were you guys friends while you were still married uh, in the 22-year relationship?
2: Well. Actually no no we were friends from distance we weren't friends going out I see We were just um you know talking and everything uh-huh. and- he was very supportive. And then when I got divorced and everything, we started going out. Uh-huh. So I would say maybe four
1: years. So, yeah. Yeah. So you were like a pro, uh, like he, guys, you know, we want to conquer. We want to go get a beautiful woman. You know, we'd want that, right? So he did that. He, he knew you were becoming available. And then you became available. And then he came after you and he liked it. But then uh, I think you gave him everything that he probably wanted. He got to check everything out. And so now it's time to get married, and he's not really wanting to do that. But let me ask you, did you want to marry the guy and he kind of backed off, or are you saying y'all were just in this relationship and then he just kind of backed off?
2: Um, We were in the relationship, but I kept pushing him away with the suffocation, like you said.
1: Uh-huh, okay. I, was,
2: I didn't do it like how you said to, to the other callers yesterday. Uh-huh. Be nice about it.
1: I, <laughs> okay. It was
2: just too much for me. I, re- I heard you yesterday. Okay. <laughs> be nice, you know. Be graceful. Uh-huh. You know. Okay. Like, even though they're married, be thankful. That right. You don't want him to go to Burger King because McDonald's <laughs> is always shut down. I heard everything.
1: It sounds like you did. I okay.
2: Was, I was listening, but mm-hmm. it was too late for me because I can't take when I'm overwhelmed like that. So uh-huh. I'm wondering if I, I pushed him so much over the years and rejected him you know that maybe he just just felt like he wasn't you know worthy and mm. then you know over time he just decided well maybe this is not the right situation for me right and maybe he decides to go to Burger King who
1: knows who knows but you know <laughs> and just uh you know for, for for those who may not have been a part of that conversation if you're married to someone and you know they're hungry you think of a man as a man who's hungry not just a man who wants to have sex and if you're his uh, McDonald's and you are closed all the time uh but you're the only place where he can eat then you know give several days of hunger uh and every time he comes around mcdonald's it's dark but across the street burger king's all lit up 24 hours you know that sort of thing it's 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 tempting you know and so uh that was the conversation there it's very possible then anonymous that you know Again, whether this was in your marriage or whether this is this other guy, you still got to be nice if you reject the guy or rebuff a guy if you want him to stay around. Because over time, he's going to get the message that you don't want him around. And so maybe he did get that message. But I think as you move forward. You know, as you build a relationship with someone, you must be a very uh, attracting kind of a personality where people want to be around you. That's a good thing. You just have to create nice boundaries to say, hey, listen, we were out last night and I want to go out with you again on Friday night, but I need Thursday to myself. You kind of set that early enough so people know those boundaries. But what happens is people get hot and heavy so quickly. It's Wednesday night. Then it's Thursday night. Then it's Friday night. Then it's Saturday night. They're so excited. And they do that for six weeks, and then they, all their energy is gone. And the other person's like, okay, can I get a couple nights off? And then the person is hurt. You know, what do you mean? We were together every you know, night of the week, and now you don't want to be with. What? What's wrong? What happened? Nothing's wrong. <laughs> too much of a good thing is still too much. So you need to That's modulate right. that right. early on so there's boundary setting, and it also creates desire. And that happens for a longer time uh, when you do it like that. W- what do you think?
2: I think you're right
1: Mm. well you learned so
2: the last thing I want to know is if they keep bothering me and calling and they don't want to make a commitment and I keep not answering and Totally shut them down. Why don't they get the message
1: and leave me alone now? Well, there you have it. It's all kind of a dependency at that point. And that's probably why you may get mean on them because they just don't get it when you try to be nice. Uh, And so sometimes I guess you do have to draw a line you got to know what you want, Anonymous, and then you've got to communicate it clearly to them. And if they don't get it, then sometimes you do have to be uh, a little bit more harsh, and I understand that as well. Some people don't get social cues, and they don't get hints. And so sometimes you do have to be very black and white. Uh, but, you know, there's a right. that's a double-edged sword, right? Because when you're black and white, uh, then people sometimes, uh, unfortunately, they um, – you know feel like you're not kind so you got to find that balance exactly. you got to find that balance yeah so good luck and god bless you as you try to figure this one out okay god
2: bless you too and thank you for your feedback it's greatly appreciated
1: you got it my sister that's anonymous from Rockville Maryland there you go so you know we can kick it off though with uh proverbs you know the very first Uh, chapter of Proverbs tells us, of course, some of you know this, but others of you may not have ever heard it. So what is, what is the beginning of wisdom? Anybody know? All right. This is what it says in verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So the beginning of uh, wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is asking God, what should I do? And uh, wisdom is something that James 1, so Proverbs 1, and, you know, the Proverbs of the New Testament is James, they call it. Well, James 1 says, if you lack wisdom, in verse 5, ask God for it, and he will give it to you without judgment. And also, he will give it to you generously. So God is looking to give wisdom generously. Remember, theologically, wisdom is not like grace that is showered on you whether you ask for it or not. Wisdom is something that is stored up and is only distributed for those who Uh, ask for it. So it's like when you go to the ATM machine, the money doesn't just come out because you're standing around the ATM machine. You have to actually get the money out by putting in your pin code. Well, it's the same for wisdom. Wisdom comes when we go to God in prayer and ask for it. It says in Proverbs, get wisdom get understanding. So it's something you go after. It's not showered upon you, uh, just dispersed over all of humanity. It's something you go to God for and get. But then when he gives it to you, he doesn't shower it. He pours it on you. So he gives it generously, but he wants to know that you want to know his wisdom. He wants to know that you are actually going to acknowledge him in all your ways, uh, trusting in the Lord with all your heart, uh, so that he can direct your path. A lot of people don't ask God for wisdom because they have their own mindset, their own skill, and they only ask when they get in trouble. God is saying, if you ask me for wisdom, young man, I will give it to you abundantly. Does anybody need God's wisdom today? If you do, give me a call. Here is my phone number, 888 432 Three four. All right. Did you get that? Write it down. You should have it in your speed dial. Uh, anyway, right? Uh, that number is 888-432-7434. That is the number uh, to call me today. If you need wisdom for anything from God, let's go to his word and get it. Now, so far, we've learned uh, that wisdom comes from God. We've learned that you have to go get it. We've learned that the beginning of wisdom is is fearing the Lord. Do you fear God? And do you know the scripture also says that we are to teach our children the fear of the Lord. And so fear, fearing God, reverencing, respecting, awing God as the ultimate sovereign and authority is not something that's natural to human beings. It is something that we must teach Our children, when we raise them, we have to teach them to fear the Lord. And so remember, the fearing of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Teaching the fear of the Lord to our children is necessary for them to grow up. If you do not teach children the fear of the Lord, then they will grow up as adults who don't fear reverence and honor God. But if you train a child upright in the way that he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it, says the word Of the Lord. So there you have it. There's a few passages for you that will help you understand uh, some of the theology of wisdom. And uh, let me give you just one more uh, passage that I quoted, but I didn't give it to you. I want you to have it. Psalm 34, verse 11 says, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And so, fearing of God is something that needs to be taught. All right, there it says it one more time. It's Psalm 34, verse 11, uh, the fear of the Lord. Uh, it says, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. All right, let's go to Rockville, Maryland and talk to Anonymous, who's on the line. Hi, Anonymous. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm trying to fine,
3: Dr. Anderson. Uh, Thank you for taking
1: my call. My pleasure. How can I serve you today?
3: Um, I need some guidance on how to deal with uh, it's a wisdom how to deal with a person that has um, fallen into prescribed medication addiction. Okay. Cool. And um, they 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 had an addiction before they they came into the Lord, but because of pain and the doctor put them on it. Now they have an addiction too really serious.
1: Now is it beyond the pain now? Do they is the pain gone but they're addicted to the painkillers? Yes. Or is the pain still there?
3: Well they have uh, mild pain. Uh one day there's pain so they say next day there isn't pain but they're not taking the medication the way it's prescribed. So if it says one every four hours they may be taking three. Okay. Every four hours.
1: Okay. And are they saying it's an addiction or are you saying it's an addiction?
3: Well, I know the, the addiction uh, behavior, getting angry. you ask them if you're taking your medication on time, if you're taking the right dosage. Uh, when the doctor asks them, they're telling stories.
1: Okay, so they're not telling the doctor the truth of how much they're taking. Right. Okay, are you married to this person? I am. Uh-huh. And so then your spouse is probably taking more than he should and mad at you when you call him out on it. Is that what I'm hearing?
3: Exactly.
1: Uh-huh. Now, have you gone to the doctor's appointment with him?
3: Um, I had I went the one time and um when they gave him the medication, they checked up on him two weeks later. He had major he had back surgery. Okay. And um
1: That's
3: a tough one. We realized that Uh, he was taking more of the medications because he ran out beforehand.
1: Okay, right, right, right. It's
3: supposed to last a month. It's been gone two weeks earlier.
1: Understood. Okay. And is is it like a Percocet, something like that?
3: Oxycodone.
1: Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So that that can be addictive. There's no doubt about that. Now, um, what does the doctor say? Like, could you talk to the doctor to find out? Because what doctors will do sometimes if they suspect that you're using too much, they'll cut it off. They won't just keep giving it to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if the doctor doesn't suspect, you say, "No, this pain hurts. I need it." Then the doctor's going to give you a, a more of the medicine. But if the doctor has a sus- yeah. suspicion that the person is abusing the medicine, they will they will cut off the dosage. Are we at that point yet, where you just want to see the dosage cut off? Yes. Hmm. And you think your husband would be upset if you if you talk to his doctor?
3: Oh, he definitely will. We, we had the issue before when he was at pain in spine, mm-hmm. and I talked to the doctor, and they, they cut him off. But because he had the surgery and he has stomach issues when I said, they gave him the oxycodone for the uh-huh.
1: pain. So you've had this experience before. He didn't know the Lord before, but once they cut it off, that solved the problem, didn't it?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you're probably going to have to do that again. You know, he had a good reason for it, okay, but he is susceptible and so, uh, to addiction. So, uh, if he doesn't choose to get off of it, you may have to tell the doctor uh, so that uh, they will cut it off. You're doing it out of love, but the doctor also doesn't want to be complicit to someone's addiction.
3: Right.
1: And if, y'all already okay. in a, if you're already going to be in an argument anyway, if he's already going to be mad at you anyway, then you might as well have him get right. mad at you for a good reason uh, and the doctor cut off his medicine. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Because, look, if he's addicted and still no. mad at you uh, for telling him, talking to him about it, you're still arguing. So it's not like, you know, it, you get peace in the house if you just don't talk about it. If y'all still arguing over it, you might as well just go ahead and have one good argument about you telling the doctor he's taking too much or take the pills away from him.
3: Right. Now, my, ish, my other problem is I'm hoping that he doesn't try to go outside because he has called others to get medication when he ran out.
1: Yeah, so that that isn't a...
3: So go outside
1: of that. Yeah, well, let's mm-hmm. go let's go one step at a time. He's getting it legally. Uh if he gets it illegally, uh that's another problem and you'll have to deal with that. But uh by him getting it legally, there's nothing else uh he has to do. If he has to go outside, that's another step he has to take and it may be another step he won't take if he realizes how upset you'll be about it. So you cut him off. Uh, he has to really go out there to go get it. How addicted does he want to be? Uh, and you know, at some point you're going to have to say, Hey, listen, it's going to be either me or the drugs because I'm not going to have an addicted husband. We've already gone down this road before. And sometimes for addicts, that's what they need. They need a line drawn and then they need you to stick with that line. So, um, it's a tough road for you, but what's the alternative? Let him continue to do it. And then just, you know, mess up his life and yours as well. So okay, thank
3: you, Doctor. For helping me. Of
1: course, that's that's my two cents on that issue. It's not an easy one, I realize it, uh, but I do pray that God would give you wisdom in how you handle uh, handle your uh, your husband because they're never they're never happy when you take away their vice.
3: <laughs> right, right, right,
1: okay. right. Okay. But all right, thank you. All right, Lord, Lord, bless you. Let's go to Fairfax, Virginia, and talk to Lillian, who's on the line. Hi, Lillian. Welcome to the show. How are you today?
3: Good. How are you?
1: Thank you. Uh, I'm alive and grateful. Thanks for calling. What's your <laughs> comment or question today, Miss Lillian?
3: Okay, so I, I pray to God for wisdom a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: when I heard you say, talk about how um, wisdom is fearing God and how fearing God needs to be taught, yeah. um, how do I know... If I'm fearing God enough, and if I'm not, like, how can
1: I learn to fear God? What a wonderful and humble question. How can I know that I'm fearing God? Well, you know, it's really about respecting and awing God. So one of the ways you know that you are in awe of God is by worshiping him. Uh, There's a lot of people who don't worship him because they're proud. And so worshiping God is placing yourself in a surrendered, submissive position to lift him up as the great sovereign. (laughs) Uh, I think the second thing is not just worshiping him, but obeying him. You know, so when you hear the word of the Lord, uh, you obey the word of the Lord because you actually believe that he is God. Uh, And I I would think a third way is by asking him. When we do our life without asking God for directions or guidance, that means we really are the God of our own lives. So I fear you, Lord, by bowing to you and asking you, what direction do I need? So that surrender, that submission, and that humility to ask God for direction shows that we actually fear him, reverence him, and respect him. Is that helpful to you, Lillian? Yeah, definitely. When you
3: say fear, like you're scared of God. But uh, I mean— you ask for his direction, just not mm-hmm. every
1: time. Right,
3: right. Um, so I guess I need more. I need to fear him more,
1: I guess. Well, um, again, it's, respect and, it's yeah. respect and reverence and awe. So I don't want you to think that it's just I'm scared he's going to beat me. But it's much more of respect and, and awe and reverence. So, for instance, if you were married. Uh, Can you go buy a car all on your own? Sure you can. You're a smart woman. You have the money. So you could just go out and buy a car without even talking to your husband. But if you respect your husband, if you have reverence for your husband and his position in your household, then you won't go off and just buy a car on your own and then show up and say, hey, I just spent $16,000 because I wanted to, and he didn't even know about it. And so it's not that you don't have the ability to go do it. It's because you respect him. You're going to go to him and you're going to say, "Hey, honey, this is what I want to do. We have the money. This is the car I want. What do you think about it?" And he may say, "Hey, I think it's great. Go do it." Or he may say, "Give you some other guidance that is different than what you were thinking." But just the fact that you were uh, respecting him, you came to him and asked. Does that make sense, Lillian? Yeah,
3: definitely. There you go. like that. <laughs> hey, well,
1: may God continue okay. to give you his wisdom. I appreciate you even calling and asking, okay?
3: Thank you.
1: Mm, God bless you. Take care. That's Lillian in Fairfax, Virginia. You've been listening to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend
0: Edition, a ministry of Bridgeway Community Church. We would love to have you join us at Bridgeway in our Performing Arts Theater in Columbia, Maryland for one of our three identical Sunday services
1: at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and noon or join us online at www.bridgeway.cc. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson airs live weekdays on this station and is ready to take your calls. Tune in at 3 p.m.
0: weekdays on WAVA 105.1 FM. We hope to see you tomorrow at church.